This is the Epoch Times. Welcome to Epoch Audio, showcasing the best journalism covering news, culture, and society, addressing issues overlooked or avoided by other media. For the text version of this and more articles providing truth, tradition, and hope, please go to theepochtimes.com. Eye-opening video banned from social media, written by Joseph Mercola. This controversial video was taken down from sites almost as fast as people could upload it. Censored even from YouTube, it strikes at the heart of our government's COVID-19 pandemic response team. View it on the article webpage now. Its contents are still highly relevant to what's happening today. Story at a glance. 1. Plandemic indoctrination reveals possible driving forces behind the vaccine agenda. It looks at the roles of the World Health Organization, WHO, Bill Gates, Tedros Adhanom, Dr. Anthony Fauci, mainstream media, Silicon Valley tech giants, Big Pharma, and many others connecting the dots between them. 2. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, owns the patent for SARS-CoV, the virus responsible for SARS, isolated from humans. In 2007, the CDC filed a petition with the Patent Office to keep its coronavirus patent confidential. It also owns patents for detection methods and for a kit to measure the virus. 3. By law, one cannot patent naturally occurring DNA. If SARS-CoV is natural, then the patent is illegal. If the virus is man-made, the patent is legal, but the creation of the virus would be a violation of biological weapons treaties and laws. So either way, the CDC may have engaged in illegal activity. For because the CDC owns the patent on SARS-CoV, it controls who has the ability to make inquiries into it. Unless authorized, you cannot look at the virus and you cannot measure it or make tests for it since the CDC owns all those patents. 5. The University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill owns a patent describing methods for producing recombinant coronaviruses. Late in May 2020, media producer Mickey Willis released the first part of his documentary, Plandemic, featuring Judy Mikovits, who has a doctorate in biochemistry and molecular biology and is a cellular and molecular biologist, whose research revealed many vaccines are contaminated with gamma retroviruses due to the viruses being grown in contaminated animal cell lines. The 26-minute film was banned on every social media platform after going viral. On August 18, 2020, Part 2, titled Plandemic Indoctrination, was released. Plandemic Indoctrination Part 2 is a full-length feature revealing a possible driving force behind the vaccine agenda. It looks at the roles of the World Health Organization, WHO, Bill Gates, Tedros Adhanom, Dr. Anthony Fauci, mainstream media, Silicon Valley tech giants, Big Pharma, and many others connecting the dots between them. Free supplemental footage, including a follow-up interview with Ms. Mikovits, as well as links to additional resources provided by all of the interviewees, is supposed to be available on the film's website, plandemicseries.com. 
Event 201. The film starts out by reviewing Event 201, a pandemic preparedness simulation hosted by the John Hopkins Center for Health Security, the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in October 2019, 10 weeks before the COVID-19 outbreak first began in Wuhan. This scripted tabletop exercise included everything we now see playing out in the real world, from PPE shortages, lockdowns and removal of civil liberties, to mandated vaccination campaigns, riots, economic turmoil, and the breakdown of social cohesion. A highlight reel of the predictions put forth during this event is included in the documentary. At the time, the leaders at Event 201 spent a great deal of time discussing ways to limit and counter the spread of expected misinformation about the pandemic and the vaccines that would have to be developed. In addition to outright censorship, their plan included the use of soft power, a term referring to stealth influencing using celebrities and other social media influencers. CDC owns coronavirus patents. Mr. Willis interviews David E. Martin, a national intelligence analyst and founder of IQ100 Index, which developed linguistic genomics, a platform capable of determining the intent of communications. According to Mr. Martin, in 1999, IBM digitized 1 million U.S. patents, which allowed his company to conduct a review. Using linguistic genomics technology, Mr. Martin made the horrific assessment that one-third of all patents filed in the United States were functional forgeries, meaning that, while they had linguistic variations, they covered the same subject matter. In 1999, patents for coronavirus also started to appear, and thus began the rabbit trail, he said. In 2003, Asia experienced an outbreak of SARS. Almost immediately, scientists began racing to patent the virus. Ultimately, the CDC nabbed ownership of SARS-CoV, the virus responsible for SARS, isolated from humans. The CDC actually owns the entire genetic content of that SARS virus. It's patented under U.S. Patent 7776521. It also owns patents for detection methods and for a kit to measure the virus. U.S. Patent 7279327, filed by the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, describes methods for producing recombinant coronaviruses. Ralph Barrick, who has a doctorate in microbiology and is a professor of microbiology and immunology famous for his chimeric coronavirus research, is listed as one of the three inventors, along with Christopher Curtis and Boyd Yunt. According to Mr. Martin, Dr. Fauci, Mr. Barrick, and the CDC are at the hub of the COVID-19 story. Mr. Martin said in 2002, coronaviruses were recognized as an exploitable mechanism for both good and ill. And between 2003 and 2017, they, Dr. Fauci, Mr. Barrick, and the CDC, controlled 100% of the cash flow to build the empire around the industrial complex of coronavirus. CDC has broken the law one way or another. Now, here's the key take-home message Mr. Martin delivers. There's a distinct problem with the CDC's patent on SARS-CoV, isolated from humans, because, by law, naturally occurring DNA segments are prohibited from being patented. The law clearly states that 
such segments are not patent eligible merely because it has been isolated. So either SARS-CoV was man-made, which would render the patent legal, or it's natural, thus rendering the patent on it illegal. However, if the virus was manufactured, then it was created in violation of biological weapons treaties and laws. This includes the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989, passed unanimously by both Houses of Congress and signed into law by George Bush Sr., which states, Whoever knowingly develops, produces, stockpiles, transfers, acquires, retains, or possesses any biological agent, toxin, or delivery system for use as a weapon or knowingly assists a foreign state or any organization to do so, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for life or any term of years, or both. There is extraterritorial federal jurisdiction over an offense under this section committed by or against a national of the United States. So as noted by Mr. Martin, regardless of which scenario turns out to be true, the CDC may have broken the law one way or another, either by violating biological weapons laws or by filing an illegal patent. Dubiously, on May 14, 2007, the CDC filed a petition with the Patent Office to keep its coronavirus patent confidential. Now, because the CDC owns the patent on SARS-CoV, it has control over who has the ability to make inquiries into the coronavirus, Mr. Martin noted. Unless authorized, you cannot look at the virus and you cannot measure it or make tests for it since the CDC owns the entire genome and all the rest. Mr. Martin said, by obtaining the patents that restrained anyone from using it, they had the means, the motive, and most of all, they had the monetary gain from turning coronavirus from a pathogen to a profit. Dangerous gain-of-function research was permitted. Mr. Martin goes on to describe events occurring between 2012 and 2013. At that time, the National Institutes of Health, NIH, decided to take another look at gain-of-function research, ultimately deciding that gain-of-function research on coronavirus was too risky to continue. This led to the suspension of funding for such research in 2013. That included funding flowing into Harvard, Emory, and the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. However, while the NIH had moral and even legal reasons for suspending such research, it made the funding pause voluntary, not mandatory. Then, in 2014, when the pushback against gain-of-function research into coronaviruses grew further, the NIH, under the leadership of Dr. Fauci, offshored that research to, you guessed it, the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. However, as detailed by Mr. Martin, the funding was not sent in a straightforward way. Instead, it was funneled through front organizations such as the EcoHealth Alliance, led by its president, Peter Daszak, whose research, according to the EcoHealth Alliance website, includes identifying the bat origin of SARS. Between 2014 and 2019, EcoHealth Alliance received a long list of grants from the NIH to study the risk of bat coronavirus emergence. EcoHealth Alliance then subcontracted that work to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Therefore, in the end, the United States could deny culpability, blaming the outbreak on China when in fact it was American research that had been outsourced. Interestingly, in late breaking news on August 19, 2020, the Wall Street Journal, 
reported that the NIH had notified EcoHealth that it wants a sample of the new coronavirus that the Wuhan researchers used to determine its genetic sequence, along with study details and other information. Additionally, the NIH demanded that EcoHealth arrange for an inspection of the Wuhan Institute of Virology by an outside team that would examine the facility's lab and records, quote, with specific attention to addressing the question of whether WIV staff had SARS-CoV-2 in their possession prior to December 2019, unquote. The problem, Mr. Martin notes in indoctrination, is that while the evidence is staring us right in the face, we're told that so-called fact-checkers have a transcendent view of the situation and they are the ultimate arbiters of truth. As a result, we have this very strange situation where facts and logic are being steamrolled and lambasted as good old-fashioned heresy. Will truth prevail? The film goes on to interview many other experts, many of whom are convinced the evidence points to SARS-CoV-2 being a man-made virus. Like Plandemic Part 1, Part 2 is well worth your time. As noted by Mr. Willis, in today's fast-paced world, few have the time to do the necessary research to unveil what's really going on. The evidence is there, but you have to put it together. This is why documentaries such as Plandemic and Shadowgate are so useful. They weave the dots together so you can see a fuller, more complete picture. Unfortunately, the picture at present is grim. Yet we must face it because it's not going away or resolving in the near future. It is important to understand that we are all being subjected to a massive propaganda campaign to move us toward a very specific technocratic agenda. It is only by seeking alternative views that we can begin to understand the truth. In the case of coronavirus, it should be clear that gain-of-function research is a dangerous game that should not be permitted. By giving researchers the go-ahead to continue this kind of research, even as the NIH publicly paused funding for it, the NIH failed to uphold its moral and legal responsibility. It also seems the CDC has engaged in illegal activities relating to the patenting of the virus and that it had ample motive and means to profit from a coronavirus pandemic. It's hard to imagine a more corrupt system than what we currently have. The question is, when will something be done about it? Thanks for listening to Epoch Audio. That was eye-opening video banned from social media written by Joseph Mercola, read by Susan Williams. Views expressed in this article are opinions of the author and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Epoch Times. Accompanying footnotes can be found with the article on our website. For more Epoch Times articles in text, please visit theepochtimes.com. This is the Epoch Times.